0: Peterson. And I'm Brian Lee. Welcome to the Voice Culture Podcast, where we traverse the rich historical legacy
1: of voice training from the greatest minds and teachers of the art. Each episode features lively conversation, fascinating historical insights, and practical application for today's singer. Hello, Brian. Hey, Justin. How you doing?
0: I'm doing really well. (laughs) I love it. I'm really excited to talk to you today about my favorite subject.
1: Oh, what? Onsets. 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 Onsets.
0: Onsets. Yes. (laughs) Great. Oh, my gosh. That ought to be Uh, something. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh! <laughs> Get them folds together.
1: Yes. Or, my, or not. We're or not. Yeah. You know, you or know, not. A little, little aspiration play. Oh could gosh. be fun. I don't know.
0: I like onsets. <laughs> yes, indeed.
1: Okay, great. Now, you know what? I, lo- I like to do this. I like to because I love being explained to this way, too. Okay. Depending on the level of familiarity with the terms people are at. Oh, right. Um, I just want to say onsets are how a vocal tone starts. Yeah. It can. It, um, and the common sort of spectrum we talk about is like between um a start that's uh that's very uh harsh with the folds together ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, or very the whole other end of the spectrum would be breathy ha ha ha. But there's actually other kinds of onsets too, so we could get into that, but.
0: French and German and Italian onsets. Sure. Spanish onsets. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I'm just I don't know. here. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, the the uh, I believe they used to call them l'attacco del suono in the Italian tradition.
1: Yeah, the, you see the word the uh, attack. Uh, Attacca a La lot. Taca, you
0: mm-hmm. know, and that's a common phrase. We, we, uh, yeah. we have, re- we sort of what, c- recoil at, at that idea today using the word Attack. Attack.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of people, yeah, who say these to used to be called attack, and I yeah, prefer yeah. to say onset.
0: Onsets. Oh, yeah. So well, I was thinking about <laughs> Aristotle's famous quote, you know, that uh, well begun is half done. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. you know, I, um, onsets are so fascinating to me because they also have a historical component. Obviously, you know, we talked about Garcia's sugar glut. Yep. And we were still arguing over about that today. People oh still yeah. argue about what that is, you know. Yep. Um difficult to get a real good answer on on it all. Although some people think they have sort of solved that problem. Depending mm-hmm. on who you talk to though. That's a, you know, that could be a yes or a no. But um Yeah. The um for some pedagogues, onsets are everything. And they're the secret yeah. to, you know, b- uh breath management, you know. I'm thinking here of Richard Miller who who sort of put them first in his books as sort of the way to develop the breathing system
1: for mm. the singer. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and I think there's some actually some real good ideas with that thinking. Um, yeah. Because c- as you know, I'm not a direct manipulator. Mm-hmm. Who knows? And um, so I'm all about finding ways to teach the voice and the breath to do things without, you know, manipulating them into yeah. control. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Onsets are so diverse in in their usage, and I think it has to come from a lot of times with the expression. Because sure. if you listen to lots of those old opera recordings, for example, you know mm-hmm. some of those sopranos had no fear of a good old glottal attack, you know, in the oh middle right. of, a yeah. of an aria or something. Yeah. Um, but I just am am curious about. First of all, I guess I should say for myself, I'm very much a relativist in terms of. I believe there, I sort of look at Miller's ideas as like the hard onset, the soft onset, which he talks about, and then the balanced onset mm-hmm. as sort of all three of the elements of what the voice and the vocal folds can do. And it sort of is a vocal fold thing. Yeah, right. Definitely. It is a vocal yeah. fold activity. Yes. Um, and to, uh, to have a singer be able to sort of do all three of them, I think, is a good thing uh, rather than sort of keeping them on... Maybe only one. I, I don't like, yeah, as you t- we've always talked about, I don't like dogma, so I don't like people that say, or absolutists, I should say. I, sh- I don't like absolutism. Mm-hmm. Don't, where people say, well, you know, you should always do it this way. Right. I don't, you should have a general way of doing it, but then also be able to vary the way you do it. I mean, yeah. I, as far as I'm concerned, it gives you, first, first of all, more expression in the sound to change yeah. the way you do something. Mm-hmm. I have to say, uh-oh, tomatoes at the ready. I'm not a fan of the, so the li- the sort of mm, infiltration let's say of a lot of sort of soft attack breathiness in the classical female world of today yeah right there's a lot of sort of there's a lot of that kind of sound in the yeah classical yeah. world and i'm like i need an ombra i need an ombra 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 yeah. you yeah. know what i mean give me some ombra girl
1: It's interesting because I've heard the claim, you know, that like, oh, there's a lot more glottals in German and English than there are in Italian. But, um, my God, the beginning of a sentence in Italian spoken with vigor that starts with a vowel. Totally. Oh, please. Oh, my gosh, they're closed. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean,
0: like, even if you think about a guy, I always always, uh, talk about the uh, the guy out in the street, you know, going, hey, Marco. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey.
1: Io non so. Yeah. You know, oh. Yeah, like I
0: used to yeah. I used to have this conductor I absolutely adored in Florida. Um and he was somebody who would say something and he, he was a just a hundred percent Italian guy. And yeah. he would just go, Oh. Like, you know, he would just say that. <laughs> and I'm just like, I love it. I just love it so much. Uh-huh. But every time I every time I do that I always think of him and a... uh, uh but you know, uh, there's a there's also a video of a baritone. I can't remember. Oh, sorry, I can't remember him. Uh, but uh, he was literally doing these demonstrations of these vowels: ah, a, e, ooh. Like oh, he was uh-huh. really into the onset yeah. of the sound. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think there's merit there. Yeah. I yeah. think there's merit to get the vocal cords adducted. And I, you know, we've we've gone around the world with this coup de glot thing, and you know, what does right. that mean? And yeah. I don't know. I think like when the vocal folds are closed, it feels more efficient to me. Yeah. You know, it feels like it's less work. Um, Well,
1: I have a theory about the whole coup coup de glotte argument and what Garcia was observing when he came up with the term. You know, if you watch uh, videos of people breathing, so they have a camera uh, like a laryngoscope or something looking down their throat and just watching a person breathe in between uh, the exhale and the inhale, the cords close, and the fact that they may come together with some speed to do anything, like the transition between inhale and exhale, mm-hmm. or to start a sound, that may look like something really vigorous. That's not mm-hmm. necessarily vigorous, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That that um, just because sounds start with folds apart and then folds suddenly together doesn't mean we got to do anything to drive them together yeah you know like like uh, in a mechanical way right um i think you know the control of onset needs to be very um emotionally character driven like it needs to be the thought of how you're trying to say something Mm. you know Mm -hmm. so so like you know if if you're trying to get someone's attention or or uh or be um uh, very urgent. Yeah. That would be an example of uh, you would naturally, yeah. by those thoughts, have a harder onset. Mm. And and when you're when you're being uh, softer, yeah, yeah, softer. Whether or it's
0: sensual. tentative
1: yeah. or sensual or yeah. loving or yeah. Yeah. or or secretive, it could, it could encourage the other thing to happen without having to say, now I am going to do a slight <laughs> aspiration. You right. know, right, right. Right. So, too
0: pedantic. Yeah. Being pedantic about it, but letting expression drive the drive it. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. you know,
1: we've sort of just talked mostly about classical so far, but you yeah. and I both teach a lot of people who sing other genres. Yes. And uh, especially in um, pop mm. and jazz, pop, many pop styles, though, too, they have to be able to do it all. hmm. You know, and, and all is acceptable and all yes. works great with the mic. Yep. So That's,
0: Yeah, I do all my all my singers go through the paces on that with yeah. with onset. You know, to yeah. do it breathy, do it hard, and then do it balanced.
1: I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: I do them all. Yeah. And
1: and I'll start with whatever is the student's weak or uh weak point. So like if they're if they're naturally like primarily breathy singer, I'll I'll have them uh, well I'll 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 change it up depending, but you know, if they're if they're um, already breathy I will um, emphasize the the more glottal one Mm -hmm. more you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. I'll say okay we're going to do some breathy ones on purpose Mm -hmm. I want you to sing even more breathy and now I want you to make it totally non breathy and now we'll try for the balance and depending which I'll place the one in second position depending on what makes the balanced one come out best Um, well you know it's
0: funny it's many of those singers who come to us or at least you know in my case, they come and they can't sustain a phrase, and they'll go. I'm really having a lot of trouble sustaining my phrases. I'm like, oh, gee, I wonder what we should do here first, you know? Right. So yeah. it's you know, yeah. once I get that going, they're like, oh, I do. I have more breath now. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's magical what I just did. Um, <laughs> exactly. But no, you're right. I think, if anything, the the contemporary musical world makes me much more diverse in terms of function. Yeah. Um, but. Diversity, a function, should be something we all sort of want to do. Yeah, to keep yeah. the instrument going. The ru- doing the rounds, if you will, like the sure. spiral learning, right? During sure. the rounds, and oh well, I'll never do this in a song. Okay, and do it anyway. Yeah, you know, do it anyway. Um, you're not going to hit every area of technique in a single song.
1: Yeah, well, you're. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to do uh, triceps barbell. Extension in a tennis game, but you know, you do it because it helps.
0: (laughs) What I have found really interesting about the onset, and I kind of because I kind of came up with a list of of sort of things that I like about it, or Mm -hmm. let's say the balanced onset, when I'm referring to onset today. Okay. Uh, One of the things I really like about it is that it tends to give a sort of an awareness of the median weight of the sound of the voice. So sort of free of affectation or sort of brightening or darkening the sound sort of repeated onsets on particular front or back vowels can really go a long way to sort of show you what the general sort of instantaneous sound of your voice is
1: yeah right right and if you do the notes fairly short or staccato you could say there isn't time to fiddle with them
0: no they're, they're gone before they're yeah. gone before you've had any time to maneuver them or manipulate
1: them yeah yeah it's very telling um, and so
0: it can be very interesting to give those to, a let's say, maybe a singer with a lot of chest register or a lot of weightiness in the tone uh, to g- facilitate a little bit of a mm, more easy median weight in the voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then exploring that median weight as you go up and down the scale and sort of observing, aha, you know, it can sort of be a little bit of a canary in the coal mine for determining weight factors in the voice throughout the range, right? Yeah. So if the singer goes up in a staccato uh, arpeggio, for example, and then you hit the top of the scale and they start being effortful, oh, something's wrong here, right? Yeah. You can you can say, ah, there's something, something's firing that shouldn't be firing here. There's mm-hmm. too much going on here. Um, I love it for that. I love it for that weight, ish, the sort of d- 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 median weight of the sound. Yeah. I also love it for the ear training that it does, because yeah. it makes the, v- the ear and the and the uh, brain have to sync up instantaneously. Yes. The brain has to and the ear has to hear this, the tone or the pitch and yep. be able to give the pitch without any futzing, without a scoop, without a slide, yep. or kind of maneuvering around it. It's right there. It's got to right. be right there. So getting a, a beginner to do staccati onset kind of exercises can be really valuable to me to begin to say, ah, there's the pitch, there's the pitch. I often describe it with my students like... Uh, the tuning of a piano so uh, if you've ever heard of tu- tuning a piano being tuned it's like <laughs> as they kind of try to move the string to get it to you know be at the correct pitch because for a lot of singers when they start it's like <clears> huh <throat> they're not quite on the pitch yeah so uh, it can be a really tremendous ear trainer for the student and sometimes you can use those um, uh, pitch tuners they have one of my students uses a pitch tuner where he'll sing these and then he will see where he is in terms of tuning yeah Yeah, where he's at and those are really fun so um that's a really to me another great use of staccato is ear training also like i said the facility of the voice to jump into action immediately
1: yeah i think um you know my one of my teachers who i studied with for several years who was trained by cornelius reed um really emphasized the aspect of rhythm in Mm. an exercise. And rhythm in any exercise, including even in a sustained note, Mm. even in legato, um, but having rhythmic events that the voice responds to. And certainly separated notes, like in a staccato pattern, are a very rhythmic event because... You don't get to slide into home. I mean, you, you have you know, you have to, uh, it's very fascinating to, to hear the repetition of a staccato pattern become more accurate before your eyes with the student. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah.
0: And what's so cool about it is that t- in my experience with it, students can self-correct really quick. Oh yeah. Because mm-hmm. they hear it and they mm-hmm. go, whoops, whoops. When yep. they don't quite hit it, on the on the go. Yeah. They can they can hear it. So it's not something that I have to correct and say, Oh, you're a little under they immediately know. They immediately yeah. know.
1: Yeah.
0: They're like, ooh, whoa, 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 whoa. I find it also really good to um, tune passages of music. So like to turn a, a phrase into an a, a, you know, a bunch of staccato onset notes to mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. to test out the intonation of the phrase mm-hmm. to see if there's anything funky in it. That can be really helpful for tuning in a phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, starting it also to uh, with onset exercises can show you if you're over breathing before you start. Yeah, right? if you take uh, if you're a tanker, you know yeah. if you if you sort of preface it with a bunch of onset exercise, uh, you know notes or whatever, and then you sing the phrase, you're like, oh, I actually don't need that much air to sing. <laughs>
1: yeah, it can be know. a
0: really great way to like again, like Miller says, teach someone how to manage
1: mm-hmm. breathing. Mhm. Yeah, it can it can go um a bunch of ways. I mean, the uh you know, at the beginning I said uh there's sort of a spectrum of of breathy to glottal onsets. Mm-hmm. Um but the the sort of variations on those are uh you can have a turbulent onset that has elements of both glottal and breath. Uh, you you know, like after the the glottal happens there's a release of air before the tone starts. Oh. Um, uh, Once in a while I get that, you know, like, uh, ah. And then um, you can also have a fry start. And that's, so when you were just talking, this is what made the light bulb go on, is if the air is all dammed up, you can get that explosive start that's very turbulent. If the the person's extremely unenergized and uh, not ready to make sound, uh, then you can get that fry start as it gets ramped up. Ah, mm. ah, um. yeah. So, yeah, the way the way uh, the sound starts is fascinating. Um, in my lessons with my read train teacher, we did not like practice the gamut of onsets much, mm-hmm. but he would talk all the time about the way a note starts is. of the note, you know, that, 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 how it gets going, uh, uh, notes can't be fixed totally. Usually once Mm. they get going, there's, there's characteristics that happen at the beginning of the note that, um, you know, you can't necessarily fix. It's very important to start a note with the right concept or the right well that's brilliant thought. I mean that's yeah.
0: right out of Garcia because Gar- Garcia also said you know once the vocal cords become vibratal, all yeah. control of it is lost
1: yeah right and I sort of yeah. describe it yeah. like
0: a baseball uh, baseball once you have thrown the baseball it's done yeah you've done it the go- the, the ball is gone yeah and that's it you got to let it fly at that point just let it go Let it, let it keep going let it keep it you know keep it in motion but, you know, that well begun is half done. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And I I think I was reading Coffin's book, you know, a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about uh, this uh, Russian teacher that uh, Nikolai Geta worked with, and, and that Coffin sort of, I guess, maybe he interviewed or worked with as well. But she used to say to Geta that, you know, the beginning of the sound is for you, everything else is for the audience.
1: Oh, yeah, okay.
0: Which I really like, you know, yeah. setting up the stuff of the voice. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the way the voice is going to start off that's yours mm-hmm. and everything else that follows it is for the audience hmm I really like that yeah image, that idea that you know take control of the pre tuning as Richard Miller would say right yeah yeah. and then let it go let it go at that point because yeah. anything that would anything that would get in the way of you fixing it is going to be a manipulation
1: yeah nine times out of ten the fix is going to screw things up in some way yes bring in an interfering tension or or mess with the intonation or do something that's gonna throw things awry yeah yeah once
0: the onset is is started it's it's like let it go let it go just Mm -hmm. let it fly let it fly don't try to do anything to it yeah just let it sail (laughs) (laughs) Uh, throw the ball i i have that i have that um, saying with my students sometimes when they have that block i'm like just i have them literally gesture a throwing motion and i just go just throw, just throw the ball. Oh, just uh-huh. throw it. Yeah, yeah. Just throw it. Because they're thinking too much. They're too much in their head.
1: Well, so Mark I just Baxter say, Mm-mm. and Mm-mm-mm. maybe that Cheryl Porter. Do, don't they throw balls too sometimes? She, uh, maybe. I I'm not Cheryl's sure she does. I know boxing gloves. She does boxing gloves. I know that, gloves. that Mark does. Throw he, ball, throws balls. Yeah. He, he'll he yeah. have sometimes someone just toss a ball in the air themselves, but sometimes he has them throw, throw a ball. Um, but
0: yeah, I love that. That's The other that's thing you can do if you want to get creative, just thought of with those balls ideas, bounce the ball and do the onset at the time the ball ball hits the floor mm. with a student. So you could get like a, I've got one of these little, what is it, a wall ball kind of thing that I saw in Kyrie Reagan's book. Thank you. Um, it's very little, like just a very tiny little fitness ball. It's very light like a, and you can throw it on the wall and it bounce on the floor and it bounces okay. so you could have a student sort of coordinate their onsets with throwing the ball on the floor
1: hmm
0: which would be a fun way to like again for rhythm and for timing yeah to, have, to help them learn how to time the onset of their sound yeah and I also too with the young ones I say it's like Goldilocks. Right, we think of Daddy Bear as the hard uh, onset, mm-hmm. Mama Bear is the soft one, and then Baby One is the right, in, you know, right in the middle. Yeah. So the so the kids can kind of work with that, and often when they start off, they'll be like, eh, 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 you know, super um, glottal. Yeah. And then they will go, ha, 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 and so it's a little bit of a dance to get them to try to find, eh, 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 trying to find the middle one. Yeah. Right? In the, yeah. So, right. Um, and that's fun. That's like a game. You know, oh, it makes yeah. it a little bit of a game. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, I just think that uh, it has so many benefits in terms of. I mean, even Nigo Tiza in his uh, little essay on five favorite warm ups, he has that list of things that he likes really a lot, and he loves he loves the the uh, staccato uh, arpeggios, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because everything in the mechanism is getting called into action simultaneously. Yeah. So the cricothyroids are active, the stretchers are active. The, uh, is the stretchers, the closers, the tensors, mm-hmm. the openers. Everything sort of has to act as one yeah. unit right away yeah so I'm a, I'm a big fan of yeah. the of the uh, exercises.
1: Me too. And I like to use it in my assessments you know of like oh. where a voice is at you know uh-huh. and it's uh, there's a staccato section in, in uh, this uh, self-assessment tool that I made. Um, yeah, I like them a lot. I also use um, staccatos. so like in in wind instruments and in string instruments. I used to play the flute. And I used to play the bass and the viola, and in getting the tone started on those instruments, uh, they call—they never say onset; uh, they say articulation. Mm-hmm. That's how they use the term articulation. Um, so, <clears throat> you can have articulations that are legato articulations. You can have staccato. You can have you know all kinds of hard and soft. Um, but the uh, the thing I like to do is do the gamut also of staccato to legato. Oh,
0: yes. Oh, yes. And
1: so I do this with um, when I'm introducing when I'm doing sort of the very first steps to work towards the mesa di voce. um, I like to do a series of five notes um, where the third one's the loudest and the first and fifth are softer. And we'll start with separated notes. So you may do ah, 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 ah. uh, and then we'll gradually lengthen them. I say, okay, I want to start each one like you did. You started them with a, a glottal start. Let, let's do a glottal start again, but let's fill up the space between ah, 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 And they get really fine tuned about uh, where, you know, w- where this action happens. Mm. And um, I also find it's easier for them to make in the very beginning. To make dynamic differences on shorter separate notes than one big-ass double whole note, you know. So I, I bring the onsets uh, into those beginning um, preparatory things for much harder exercises later. I like that. Yeah. I
0: sometimes will talk with students when I do a staccato legato. I'll say... That the staccato lays the track and the legato we can drive the train over what the staccato just laid. So in terms of like an octave arpeggio, for example, like on a single note over Mm -hmm. a staccato, nice, happy little staccato, you know, uh, arpeggio. And then do it legato. Yeah. Sort of try to recapture the same feel and approach and and methodology that you just did of the staccato.
1: So I, I do that, too. And I sort of borrow from my instrumental background in those exercises. Also in that, I'll say, OK, if we're going to do my voice is in Crap shape today, by the way. <laughs> but, but I'm still going to. You gonna almost da- got us banned, Brian. <coughs> I know. I, I, <laughs> um, yeah. Monetized. I know, really. So, um, yeah. What, what's zero minus nothing? Uh, I but, know. I know.
0: We have nothing to monetize. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, I do, but uh, it's not this <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
1: But what I'll do is I'll talk about staccato impulse that with with slightly more advanced students, or like in an arpeggio pattern. So we may do a staccato version of it, ah 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 ah, and I'll say, okay, let's do that little pulse of energy within the legato. Oh. So we'll do like ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, Oh, cool. And I'll call that little impulse. It's a slight, it's a slight uh, accent, but it's within legato, mm-hmm. and and um, sometimes. Uh, I was taught this by by uh, David Christopher, and he would talk about the beginning of a laugh. Uh, so it's like oh oh oh, and so so it's a, it's this little <laughs> pulse of vocal energy, uh-huh. but it's within a legato. So it isn't the dynamic changes at the beginning of each note, but it's still connected to the other notes. And and get, so it's just another way of of doing a lot of nuance around onset. Um it's a lot of fun.
0: Oh yeah, there's so many things you can you can do them you can uh, apply with them. they're so valuable
1: yeah they're yeah.
0: they're wonderful you know checkers for things uh,
1: you know an interesting thing that mixes articulations from both of us have this in our background somewhere uh I think about that how Seth Riggs used to do the SLS squeaky gate exercise mm-hmm. yep. And that was like two and one and two and one, uh, uh yeah, it was a little gallop, uh, yeah uh, yep, uh, 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 uh. Mm-hmm. and um, interesting that he would pick that, but but um by golly, inserting the staccati in there mm-hmm. kind of guarantees that you don't you know drag the elephant up the stairs, oh,
0: absolutely, yeah. I used to refer to that as well, I still do actually, I call that vo- vocal cord push ups that exercise, yeah. Boy, howdy, because you have to keep, you know, the, the folds adducted. You cannot blow a lot of air across the folds. Uh-uh. Uh, and you have to also make sure that the digastric muscles under your chin yep. are not doing the sound. Yeah, So it cannot be something that's being driven from underneath your sublingual muscles. It has I to be.
1: revisit that one a lot because it really does help me.
0: Yeah, I've had so many singers, especially maybe some of my overblowers, who do that, and they're mm-hmm. like, whoa, whoa, because mm-hmm. it totally sort of changes the, uh, well, as Hussler and Rod Marling would say, it really incorporates more of the edge muscles, the edge mechanism, yeah. the fine yeah. fine fibers of the vocal folds themselves Yep, that sort of keep the whole thing together, which is what I think uh, any of those twangy exercises sort of do. They sort of facilitate more of a, yeah. a ducted, quality of the voice from bottom to top which is why i think ah going up is a lot easier for people mm-hmm. because of those particular edge mu- muscles being sort of oh exercised. yeah and i know.
1: think it's so much fun too to take some of the pharyngeal sounds and and edge sounds and do staccati on them yes Yes. yes you know
0: one teacher I, uh, that i know of uh does them very much like a little monkey Oh, uh-huh. to really get the <laughs> get that quality in the sound. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, I mean they can have all kinds of purposes, you know, for yeah, different if, different aims.
1: You know, when people are like when fancy pedagogues are are skeptical <laughs> about making strange sounds, I just remember right. that, you know, Garcia said he sometimes had students quack like a duck. Yes. So Quacks like ducks. There you Cause go. Cuz it was faster. Yeah.
0: It was faster than all that kind of talking, you know. Quack like a duck. Quack. And then she was like, oh, here it is. Oh, okay. (laughs) Thank you, Professor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I think they're great. I think Staccati are great. I also think, you know, what Richard, Richard Miller's books are really great um, resource to learn about, you know, its sort of role in in breath management. Um, Mm. Because what I liked about Richard Miller's books is he doesn't like any of that futzing with breathing. Mm -hmm. You know, if you really read his books, he's like, nope, none of that, you know, filling out the tire or any of those squeezing the dime. Stuff mm-hmm. Richard Miller mm-hmm. was like, no, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he was very, he was very much in my camp about those things, <laughs> yeah. and um, it's just it's uh, he's he's really really very strong on them, and he uh, talks about uh, how every singer should do them every day. You know, they should be something that's in the vocal, uh, re- uh, the arsenal of the uh, daily vocalization regime. I think is what he calls it, or the regiment, mm-hmm. the daily vocal regimen of every singer to just do onset exercises, and and now what I thought was cool was that. I looked at violin videos uh, this past couple days of them doing this detache maneuver, which is Mm -hmm. sort of like a little bit like a sort of a staccato. But when they teach it on the violin, they teach it on the middle strings so that the player in a beginner has a lot of stability. So they're not trying to go out through all the entire range of the violin. They're really trying to just learn how to bow over those middle strings you know, short bowings, just bzz, 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 bzz mm-hmm. over, the th- over the strings. Mm-hmm. And I think that applies to the onsets. I think you have to start them in a comfortable part of the voice. Yeah, definitely. And get them stable Yep, first before you start to try to range extend them. I think they need to be someplace in the middle comfortable range of the voice. Yep. And they need to be really nailed into that part of the voice first before you s- try to say, okay, now we're going to do this octave or whatever it is. Because that'll just throw the whole cart into disarray. So Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. it's if it works for the violin, (laughs) it can work for the voice. So do it in a stable part of the voice and get that stability of response. And then Miller takes it from uh, from uh, quarter notes to eighths to sixteenths. Mm -hmm. Then he does triplets with breath renewal between each triplet. So there's a whole you know all the while while not collapsing in the in the body. So that the body maintains its sort of like open, tall sort of position without mm-hmm. collapsing. is what he could kind of ter- uh, terms the mm-hmm. Um, So uh, I think that's um, also uh, W. Uh, Stephen Smith, who wrote the book Naked Voice. Yep. He calls those exercises spontaneous combustion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That I really AD like that, that th- phrase. Yeah. That it's like boom,
0: boom, boom, boom. It's right there. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the same idea that everything is present right away. Right. That there isn't any searching for something or where's the pitch or where, where is it? I don't know where I'm at. So it makes, it's a really good tuner for the voice.
1: I think you, you need to start in an easy range of the voice and lower rather than higher. Yeah. Partially because when you're first getting the feel of it, when you're first learning how to do glottal, for example, Mm -hmm. you won't do much damage down low. Oh yeah. You know? Um, but if, if you're singing it in the top, very top of your range, um, what constitutes a glottal up there when things are set up well it's a whole lot less clunky up there you know it mm. needs to be much lighter will create a glottal sound up high but getting the finesse to do that with the stretch of the folds and the you know all the all the stuff connected to singing high um it's it's a much finer coordination mm-hmm. than starting in the middle
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah. i i couldn't Oof. And I sometimes, well, some, mostly I, I start with my female clients, I start them in the upper range, in the mid, middle area of the upper range. So, you know, around A4. Okay. Up in there. A, okay. A4, B flat 4. And then mm-hmm. I just sort of noodle around on single notes and then I, you know, get w- wider and longer as I go. Mm-hmm. But just sort of getting that mechanism up there going and... Um, Nice and, and and making sure that they are really staccati with breath renewal and not staccati under a slur. Right, oh, that's a
1: really good point. Where and they, they don't
0: don't breathe. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, with some some singers, uh, I consciously you know do it both ways, where where I'll say, okay, we're going to do four on a breath with separations, and then we're going to do four where we have a uh, you know, very, uh, little rebound breath between. I don't get to that level with people though, um, unless usually unless they're classical, unless they're pretty advanced. Mm-hmm. But the the breath renewal thing between each note is a lot more um, reflexive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you're not yeah, and they'll o- tell
0: you the students will say invariably, I don't think I'm breathing, uh huh, because the the breath that they take is so small. Lamperti said they were yeah. thimbles full of breath.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: And that it's important for a singer to be able to take the long breath as well as instantly renew the breath uh-huh. right away. Yeah. So, yeah, it's important to make that distinction because sometimes students will go, ah, 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 and they don't breathe. Yes. Right. So there's no parting of the, well, and then I'm like, we're not, uh, we're not exercising the cricoarytenoids, which are the, the muscles that have to open the vocal, the, the glottal space in the back. Because they need the exercise too to kind of go and breathe in so that they can part. Um, but yeah. And I also will do them on M
1: too. Mm, 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 mm at the beginning yeah. for students. Yeah, that's an interesting one starting uh, with an M because essentially the folds are behaving as if it's a clean or glottal start. You can't mm-hmm. really do an aspirated start and make an M. Yeah, I don't
0: well, you can I guess you do it if you do through the nose. Hmm.
1: Hmm. 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 Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can get a little action through the nose, I guess. Yeah.
0: I love them though. I think they're great fun to do. Yeah. Um obviously you have to check for contraindications with a student. Like if they have vocal cord issues, you don't want to be like slamming away on their vocal cords. Right, right. You know, check those things out. I have a student now with a node and I'm like, oh, we got to lighten up on that for a while. You know, we got to do a lot of humming, kind of easy onset kind of things. Mm -hmm. So we can make sure that that, the the vocal node doesn't get um, agitated or irritated.
1: Yeah, let's do a sidebar to say that um, if you suspect any kind of medical issue in the throat you know make sure you get that checked and make sure the person is cleared for lessons and then make damn sure as a teacher that you have some idea of what to do with it you know Mm -hmm. like like if someone has um uh, bode abode fold oh yeah you know um practicing gentle glottals can help them find you know the meeting place of the folds in this new configuration now but if it, it if it's if it's severe, I'm not comfortable working with that. Yeah. Um, you know, but if, if the, the doctor, you know, has, has cleared them to work on vocal stuff and I know that oh they have a condition that's going to make all of their singing quite breathy at this point, well, you can't just work on clarity with those yeah. folks. No. Because you can really induce some oh. hyperfunction and interfering tensions and all kinds of problems but um you know i I've, I've certainly heard about um advanced singers working with advanced teachers who help them say recover from a uh partial paresis or mm-hmm. various you know problems where the folds aren't behaving the way they used to and and the tiny glottals really helped them
0: yeah it's you know? like a rehabilitative exercise yeah
1: yeah but it has to be careful. It has to not be the kind of, yeah. slammy sound oh, that God, no. I was making fun of at the beginning of the no, no. session and here. <laughs> it's minimum, minimum pressure of breath. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: they got You got to tell them you're not going to take a breath to do these. You you literally have to take a like
1: let your breath out. Yeah. So or sometimes not- I'll do whispered glottals with people. Okay. So so that like the the mouth is open, but we don't actually phonate. So uh, I don't know if I can get it captured here, but it will be. Just okay, that ASMR. ultra gentle thing, yeah. The <laughs> ASMR your I favorite. hate. Your favorite. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah.
0: And then also like with with that, for for example, with my student with a node, sustaining is out. Uh huh. Out, out, out. I mean, yeah, they need to
1: move, move, move,
0: move, and they need to stretch, and it needs to be short phrases yeah. and stuff like that. It cannot yeah. be these. Okay, now go sing. You know. Breit-Uber-Mein-Haupt or something by Strauss or something. No, Mm -hmm. it's not. Strauss Mm -hmm. is off the menu. Uh So, um, yeah, Onsets. Onsets, Brian.
1: Yeah. I like it. (laughs) They're good for you. They are. There's just so many places to go with them. Yeah, there's a lot of fun to use them.
0: So put put them in the mix and do them every day.
1: Yes. Agreed. They're good for you. So check out the Millers. Uh, Miller ha- Miller has some great exercises in yeah. some of his books. Would you say uh, which ones? Like Solutions for Singers? Does that have some? Not good stuff as on many there?
0: exercises. I mean, his most exercise-heavy tome, I believe, is the Structure of Singing, uh-huh. which good luck getting that. Uh, here we go. I'm going to use my platform, Brian.
1: Mm.
0: We need to get this book into ekin like e book format or like Kindle format. Structure like so singing li- is not. It's not. Oh uh, no. Jeez, we need to, That's one of the, That's like his like his. I don't know. His great tome. We got to get that available. Mm-hmm. So, book people, put that into the uh, e book market, please. Because yeah. there's a lot of people who would like to have access to that book. Yeah, totally. Um, because everything else that he has written, literally, I believe everything else he's written is available on. Uh, ebook version oh okay so he is uh, widely published on ebook except for structure of singing and structure of singing has the most vocal uh, exercises f- uh, of all of his books although he does obviously have tr- uh, training singers uh, tenors and sopranos and baritones and yeah sort of those there's have some in specialized there, right. in there mm-hmm. but um, yeah his structure of singing is sort of like the the good sort of go-to for these kinds of exercises and seeing how they can be varied and how he uses them for development of the voice and um, uh, the onset as well as the breath management system. So
1: Great. Cool stuff. Yeah. Thanks, well, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks, Justin. This is fun. Yay. Yeah, it was a good time. Okay. Let's do it again. Alrighty. Later.
0: Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks for joining us today on the Voice Culture Podcast.
0: For more information, connect with us on our website, thevoiceculture.com.